Hello and welcome to the VOE podcast, an extension of Voices of Experience, the signature speaker series at the University of Denver's Daniels College of Business. I'm your host, Crystal Griffith, from the Daniels Office of Communications and Marketing. We'll be unpacking topics at the intersection of business and the public good with CEOs and other business leaders from the Daniels community. Let's dive in. Today, we're looking ahead to Earth Day, which is Friday, April 22nd. So we wanted to talk to a leader in the sustainability arena, to someone who is really hoping to drive results in this space. That brought us to Kathleen Petrie, president of Beverage Packaging in North and Central America for Ball Corporation. Kathleen has been with Ball for 18 years, much of it working on their sustainability efforts. Kathleen, we're delighted to host you. Welcome to the VOE podcast. Thanks, Crystal. Great to be with you. So before we get to our big topic of the day, I'd like people to get to know you. I know you went to Colorado State University for your bachelor's and master's in technical and speech communications. You started your career at Ball Aerospace in communications and then moved over to Ball Core in 2014. Can you share a little bit about your background, your career journey? Sure. Um, yeah, as you as you mentioned, I, I started in Ball Aerospace. I, I worked in our aerospace business for 11 years, doing a variety of things, whether it was marketing, business development, uh, government relations, customer relations, et cetera. And then in 2014, I moved over to the corporate side where I did corporate relations. Um, that's when I really got involved in sustainability and became our head of sustainability, uh, which I did until... Um, 2019, where I became the chief commercial officer, which is basically our head of sales for our global organization, as well as our chief sustainability officer. That was the first time that we formally put sustainability and sales together. And then um, in September, I started the job that I'm in now, which is president of our North and Central America beverage packaging business. So Kathleen, I was going to lead right into that. Um, I, I'm curious what that means. I'm thinking specifically for our listeners, maybe our students. What does your job entail? What does that look like? Yeah, so uh, we are the largest beverage can manufacturer in the world. Um, Ball's North and Central America business that I run is, is the largest division within Ball. So if, if you live in the United States or you live in Canada or Mexico or Central America, um, at, uh, almost half of the beverage cans made in those regions are made by, by ball. So um, this year, our goal is to make and sell 60 billion Holy cow. aluminum beverage cans. Um, so we make a lot of cans and, and we fill them with energy drinks and spiked seltzer and sparkling water and soda and uh, whatever you can think to put in a can, uh, we will sell the can for it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I've seen um, cans all over the place. And I think at one point, uh, maybe there was some kind of crisis or something. And so you uh, ended up putting water in them for a country that was yes. in need. So I've seen you do all sorts of things like that for kind of a social good mission as well. Yes, our, we have several of our uh, large customers like Molson Coors and Anheuser-Busch InBev, as well as um, a craft brew customer, Oscar Bluth. We have um, disaster relief water programs where we donate the cans and they fill the cans and distribute them to people in need. It's, it is a great partnership. That's terrific. 
So let's get to our big topic of the day, um, Earth Day. Paul Corporation has put forth some ambitious sustainability goals in the past year. The company is calling it Toward a Perfect Circle. It's really emphasizing products being fully recyclable. So talk a little bit about that vision and where it came from. Yeah, it's actually even more ambitious than fully recyclable. So so aluminum cans are already 100% recyclable. Um, and, and what we're saying with our Towards a Perfect Circle is if we actually want to address uh, the packaging waste crisis, we have to go beyond something just being, quote, recyclable. Um, it needs to actually end up being recycled at a very, very high rate. And the new product needs to be made in the idea of a perfect circle of 100% or as close to it as we can get recycled material. So for aluminum beverage cans, they're already 100% recyclable. We have work to do because in the U.S. in particular, our recycling rate isn't very good. Um, it's, it's by far the highest for cans than any other substrate, but still only around 50%. So we want that to get up to um, 90% by 2030 is the goal that, that we're calling for. And then we want to drive the recycle content rate of aluminum beverage cans up from the current in the U.S. it's around 73 percent. We want to try to push that to 85 percent by 2030. And so that requires a lot of work and a lot of partnerships to make sure that every single can that we make uh, gets recycled and that we make sure that we keep that material in the loop and that it can become uh, a can again and again and again. Aluminum is infinitely recyclable, which is unusual. So you can use the same material over and over endlessly without any loss of quality. And so it is a it is a permanent material in that regard. And that's really different from paper or plastic or other materials that degrade over time. Even if they're, quote, recyclable, maybe you get only a few cycles. And we should be able to use the same material over and over. And so our, our idea with that vision is to say, because the can, because of its inherent properties, can do so well, we're challenging ourselves to say, let's prove to the world that real circularity is possible. And we don't have to settle for just recyclable or very low levels of recycled content, like 10 or 20%, like that's not, that is not going to make the kind of impact on the environment that, that we think as a, as a people we should be aiming for. You hit, you hit on one of the questions, and I don't know if our audience knows, but uh, you know, your point was the U.S. doesn't recycle as well as other countries. Um, I think we have Brazil at 97 percent, Germany nearly 100 percent. So it sounds like there is a kind of education component to this vision and partnerships, I think you mentioned. How, what does that mean? What are you guys doing? Yeah, I, I think it goes across several things. Um, there is absolutely an education component. Uh, one of the things that, that we think is important is uh, because we've moved to single stream recycling in the U.S., it almost implies that all the materials are the same and they're not. Mm. Um, their, their, their value in a recycling stream is different. 
their ability to be recycled infinitely is different. You know, aluminum is, is really kind of the star in that case. And so there is a piece where we can say, should we focus our recycling efforts where we're going to get the most bang for the buck? And, and we certainly see aluminum as an opportunity for that. So there, that's a really important component. There are also really important system, system level um, issues like access to recycling. There are huge parts of the country, probably half the country, that does not have automatic access to curbside recycling. And therefore, unfortunately, something we all kind of know about human nature is if something's easy, people will do it. And if it's hard, you're going to lose people on that journey. So there, there is a piece about access. And then the third piece is also about policy. And we can see in the states where there are policies that really support high recycling rates, like extended producer responsibility laws or uh, deposit um, systems, the recycling rate in general is much, much higher than in non-deposit states. And so we think to actually get to that 90%, we need to address all of those areas um, because we have a lot of improvement that we need to do uh, across the country. Absolutely. I was shocked. I happened to visit my mom um, oh, this past weekend in Phoenix, and she was like, they don't recycle here. And I was like, what do you mean they don't recycle here? But yeah, to your point, I think in Colorado specifically, we're just used to it. You know, kind of every my, this morning, all the bins were set out in my alley, right? It's just something we're very familiar with. I didn't realize it wasn't, you know, countrywide. Can I burst your bubble, Chris? Oh, no. What are you going to tell me, Kathleen? <laughs> Colorado is actually a horrible recycling state. Really? Tell us more. It's really sad. It's really sad. So um, certain metro areas were quite good. Um, and certain areas, um, as you mentioned, where the Homeowners Association perhaps has a um, agreement with, uh, with uh, recycling and, and waste hauler. But... Um, our recycling rate um, in the state is actually very, very low. Wow. We don't have the kind of laws that actually support um, high recycling rates. And there are a lot of um, cities and counties and sections that, we, again, we don't have automatic access to curbside recycling, or there aren't even municipal recycling programs. So um, it's something that we're spending a lot of time on, and actually there's there's some nice progress that's starting to happen in the in the Colorado General Assembly. Um, but I think, you know, if, if you live in Broomfield like I do, or Boulder, or Denver, or Fort Collins, you, you probably feel really good about the state of recycling in Colorado, but the sum total of it is actually really not very good. Wow. Well, that's eye-opening. I had no idea. I hate to burst. Yeah, it's OK. That's OK. That's what we're here for, to educate even me. Right. Um, talk a little bit about this supply chain issue. Right. Because I understand. Um, so aluminum is the kind of cream of the crop. Um, I know Ball used to be in the glass business, but I think you've completely transitioned out of that because of this sustainability goal. So, um you know, what can people do if they're thinking about this holistically? Yeah. So, you know, I think we at Ball have been in the glass and plastic and aluminum business. And so we know a lot about all three um, for uh, very good reasons. And I'll talk about a few of those in just a second. 
we are now only in the aluminum business. Um, so we, we are not in the glass business anymore, although we license the use of our logo. Um, so you can still see ball glass jars uh, for sale in the supermarket for home canning. Um, they're, not, they're not produced by us. Um, and then we got out of the plastic business um, about 10 or 12 years ago. Um, so part of that, like if you take a step back and, and you think about the areas where um, the environmental impact of packaging shows up, you have um, the environmental impact of, of either um, making the material or extracting it from the ground. Um, and then you have the weight associated with the material. You have the process associated with making the package. And then you have that end of life where you have um, recycling. So one of the things that we really love about aluminum, as I already said, is that it's a permanent material. And so 75% um, of aluminum ever produced is still in use today. Mm. And if you think about that, since 1880 or Whoa. so, that's, a, that's an incredible stat that I think really helps people understand what's different about aluminum. If you compare that to plastic, you know, 9% of plastic ever produced has been recycled once. Whoa. Once. And so part of what's different about that is because of the what happens to plastic as it's recycled, it, it degrades. And so even if you recycle plastic, it tends to be more downcycling. So you could take a plastic bottle and turn it into yoga pants or turn it into a carpet. But that is the last stop for that material. And then ultimately it ends up in a landfill or the ocean or wherever it ends up. Uh, whereas aluminum keeps giving back, becoming something else of value. Um, and that's the other thing that really differentiates aluminum. When you think about the supply chain, part of why we haven't done a great job of recycling in this country is that the cost of recycling a lot of materials outweighs the value of those materials. So, for example, most recycling systems actually lose money recycling glass, in part because of the weight of it, in part because it breaks and it uh, can contaminate um, the ability to recycle other materials. So aluminum is by far, by far, the most valuable um, material in the recycling stream, and it, it pays its own way, and frankly, it actually pays for other things to be recycled. But it's part of the problem is if, if, the, if the process and cost of recycling is not worth the yield, people it, companies don't want to do it. It. <laughs> it doesn't work, right? Sure. Like nobody's in the business of, of um, losing, losing money. money. And, and so that's, that is one of the great things is the material value of recycled aluminum is incredibly high. Um, and the other thing that's great is recycled aluminum is actually less expensive than starting from scratch with virgin aluminum, which requires mining and other things. And so it's also an advantage because recycled plastic is much more expensive Recycled aluminum is less expensive than virgin aluminum. So we're really lucky because when you have the economics in favor of what also benefits the environment, that's where you can really have a win-win. Because if you're saying, well, we need to do something good for the environment, but the economic cost of that is, is too burdensome, it, it's hard to make progress. So it's part of why we've chosen to really focus on aluminum 
because we think it can be an economic and an environmental and a social win. I love it. Talk a little bit about um, any advice you have for kind of everyday consumers. Maybe there are things that you guys educate ball employees on or you do yourself at home, Kathleen. What kind of things would you want other people to know? Yeah, I mean, for, for one thing, I think it really does matter the package that you choose. Um, the, the impact of that package and its recyclability is not the same. So one, uh, it won't surprise you, I would say, for God's sake, whatever you can buy, buy it in aluminum. Sure. Um, but equally and, and, and perhaps even more importantly, if you use aluminum, if you use an aluminum can, bottle, cup, more than any other package, recycling aluminum is important. And one thing I didn't mention earlier is recycled aluminum also saves 95% of the greenhouse gas emissions associated with that product. So it is, I know sometimes as we talked about, access is, is challenging. You know, if you go to the gas station and you're filling up your car, don't throw the cans in the trash, take them home, um, put them in a, my husband laughs at me because I'm, I have gloves and I'm always picking cans out of the trash because I just can't stand to see them there. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, if you're hiking, pack it in, pack it out, what, whatever it takes, um, especially for aluminum, making a little bit of extra effort to make sure that that ends up in the recycling bin is well, well worth it. If you think about that, 75% of aluminum ever produced is still in use today. Any of us who are throwing cans away are responsible for some of that missing 25%. And, and I'd rather be part of the group that's keeping that material in use. Absolutely. I, I was thinking also, you know, on the aspect of maybe influencing your legislators or your representatives. Is that something the average person can do? Or if they don't have access to recycling, ask for it. Are there things like that that could really be helping our earth? Yes, Absolutely. You know, one of the things that, that we're looking at right now, and, and there's actually some, some things going on in, in the Colorado General Assembly, um, the, the concept of extended producer responsibility, I think, is a good one. And, and what that means is that the producer of a product is more responsible for the cost associated with the end of life of that product. Mm. And, and part of why we have so many products that are not recyclable or are expensive or difficult to recycle that become a burden on state and local governments and the environment is because the cost associated with that is borne by society rather than the producer. And so I think there is a concept where getting involved in policy can make a big difference because um, if, if producers pick substrates that are by definition recyclable and, and work well in recycling systems, that could help a lot. Um, also, if, you know, there are things like, as I said earlier, deposit systems where you, you pay a little bit more when you buy the can, but you get, you get the money back when you recycle the can. Um, and having, you know, recycling laws, if, if you're in a community that doesn't have recycling, talk to your city council. And and, and make the case that, you know, access is a really important part of this. So I think there is personal action that we can take. And then there also is sort of collective action and, and partnership that we can also take. 
Um, one of the things that we're doing, and, and hopefully if people have seen it if you're in the Denver area, is our partnership with Ball Arena. And a huge part of that um, with Kroenke Sports and Entertainment is to really make a case for recycling in um, venues like sports arenas where you know, sometimes people just leave the stuff right there in the seat and they walk away and it's like, well, someone will take care of that. Someone will recycle it, hopefully, or, or whatever the case is. And so trying to engage people on like, take the action. It's very easy and it's worth it. And and in the case of, you know, being at a Nuggets or a Navs game, you can make it, make it a little bit of fun, too. I mean, for heaven's sakes, you walked all the way to your seat. Surely you can walk <laughs> your... Just... just Take your aluminum cup or your can or your bottle and put it in the recycling bin. We actually now have really cool, fun people who go through up and down the stairs with backpacks where you can hand them really? your aluminum can right from your seat. And they'll they'll take it and ensure that it's recycled. How cool is that? Obviously, I need to go to a game. I haven't seen that yet. Yes, you do. <laughs> I Very love it. Fun. So, Kathleen, as you know, Daniels is known for teaching ethical leadership and dedication to the public good. So how do these values factor into your role as a leader? How do you conduct business responsibly? Yeah, so one of the things that I I love about working at Ball is um, we generally believe that you can do good and do well at the same time. And um, as someone who's worked in you know, corporate social responsibility and sustainability for a long time, the concept that um, by definition, uh, environmental improvement or action is bad for economic growth or the environment or whatever the case is, um, I just find sad and, and, and not to be true. And so I think... Um, one of the things that I love about, about Ball, as I said, and about our mindset is, is in many ways, we can and are proving every day that that's not true. Um, so we're, we're in a period of incredible growth right now. The can is winning. Um, consumers are choosing the can more than any other substrate, and, and our customers are as well. Um, and we're creating jobs, and we're, you know, uh, helping to get renewable energy added to the grid. And so I think for me, um, it's, it's much more exciting to think about how to pair economic prosperity and social justice and social action and environmental progress. And so that's really, you know, w- what we talk about here at Ball and, and what we build into our processes. So, I mean, even now when a project comes to me, Part of what we look at is, are we meeting the environmental objectives that we've set? Are we, do we have an opportunity to exceed those? Do we have an opportunity to, um, even on the diversity and inclusion front, you know, uh, we're building new plants and it's like, let's make sure that we are representing those communities and, and creating opportunity for people who maybe previously didn't have opportunity. So I, I find it incredibly energizing. And I think our employees and our leadership team do too. Absolutely. We talk about it here at Daniels, the triple bottom line, the people, the planet, the profit, and we want all three. Don't do one without the others. So I love that. And you don't have to choose. You can have it all. Yeah, that's (laughs) terrific. 
Um, well, as you know, you are a voice of experience. So um, I'd like to just know if there's anything, a motto or a lesson or something you'd like to pass on to our students and our listeners. Yeah, I, I think it's maybe what I what I just said. I, I think sometimes we get in this this feeling that you have to kind of compromise or suboptimize, or and and I'm sure there are places in life where that's true. But um, I, I just like the the optimism and and the I like to believe that that you can have it all. And that it's possible to find those win wins, and to and to be the kind of person who, who can find them and and give other people you know hope and inspiration. And so, I think for for future leaders and and people coming coming into the business world, that's really important um, to actually create the the change and the prosperity that we want, but also just to inspire people and and have people feel to get the best out of people. And so. Um, For me, you know, I I think you can have it all. Thank you so much, Kathleen. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Great to be with you, Crystal. This has been the VOE Podcast, produced by the Daniels College of Business and sponsored by U.S. Bank. Music by Joshua Metzl, music composition graduate student at the Lamont School of Music. Join us next time for more business insights from our community. In the meantime, visit daniels.du.edu slash VOE podcast. And please remember to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.